The question is never if morality is being legislated. It, the question is what type of or what kind of morality is being legislated. Mm. Um, you either have legislation that honors Christ or dishonors him. Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of About Abortion. Uh, I'm Dave Brennan and I'm really thrilled to be joined today by uh, someone from, what, several thousand uh, miles south of me, right across the equator in Zambia, um, Lennox. Thank you so much for calling in today. Thank you so much, Dave. It's great to be here. Um, very privileged and blessed that the Lord has connected us and that we've been able to do this today. Amen. Well, we're brothers in Christ. That's the most important thing to to say but we'd love to learn a bit more about you and um life in zambia um and then we're going to be talking about some some pretty big questions but before we get there sure. just tell us a bit lennox about about yourself so whereabouts in zambia are you and what's what does daily life look like for you yes well i i currently live in lusaka zambia um i uh i'm natively zambian uh, grew up in south africa grew up in a very uh, sort of multicultural community uh, which is why my accent might sound a little complex to many people who who are listening to this. Um, but this is where I live. I'm, I'm here with my family. Um, I am a, a husband to a beautiful wife named Simbi. And we have uh, three children, two here who are here, one who's on the way in July. So we're very excited about that. Great. Fantastic. July. That's wonderful. Yeah, we've got, um, I've, I'm due a nephew or a niece in July as well. So we're oh, in wonderful. joyful anticipation at this end and Lennox we first got connected remind me I think it was through our mutual friend Wanza wasn't it I think he that's right yeah I think that's he, right. yeah, he got um, in touch with some co-workers here in the UK that's right that's right this this was a few years back two or three years ago now um, I think that's how we we got connected and it was amazing because I suppose as, as I got to know you better uh, it just became more and more apparent that we're very like-minded on several issues mm. so um mm. yeah you've really been a blessing oh likewise brother and, and and yeah i'm excited to hear your thoughts on some of these these questions we're thinking through and um you know for those listening in i think it's you know, why why we why have i brought someone in from zambia i think you know, there, there, are, there are a number of reasons one, one is that perhaps more than ever we live in a world that's so interconnected and the issues we're going to be talking about today in terms of worldview um, spiritual forces, ideologies, and in particular, of course, the abortion industry and the great onslaught against mm. um, these these uh, image bearers in the womb. These are international mm. things. They're, they're coordinated yes. internationally. They have impact internationally. And we need to be switched on internationally and so i'm grateful for your your partnership in this but let's let's dive straight in i'd love to um get your thoughts really on what's going on in particular in zambia and and perhaps mm. uh, much of sub-saharan africa in, in these areas um but just just kind of broad brushstrokes before that um i mean we could talk all day long about the influence of you know europe and the west on 
yes uh, on africa you know historically uh right up to the present day um but can you just help us to, to kind of just to kind of set a bit of context place us in yes in, in, into into this this discussion what are from your perspective what are some of the key moments or the kind of key waves of influence from europe and the west into into africa and i'm thinking in particular in terms of spirituality morality mm. ideology these sort of cultural things what what are the key, are there are there mm. some key moments some key sort of um, milestones in that journey and and how deep did they penetrate mm. that's such a that's such an excellent question dave um i i'd go back to um the the, the 20th century um where i think postmodernism really made a wave across the world including africa right uh, in fact i think one of the one of the first very specific and political applications of postmodernism is what's known as post-colonialism hmm. which in large part was uh was implemented and pioneered in africa and basically what this looked like is as as african countries gained emancipation from western colonialism many of them embraced post-colonial theory which ultimately led to them establishing communist states and i think a lot of them saw communism as a an answer or a safeguard against colonialism yeah. um and so there you see postmodernism being being applied in in that fashion and of course you know postmodernism has uh, essentially two principles there's the political principle and the knowledge principle the knowledge principle a lot of us are familiar with which is the idea that truth is relative um, the the political uh, principle refers to whoever is considered to be in power dictates what truth is. Um, and I suppose in post-colonial theory, um, they were statist entities, um, totalitarians who assumed power in order to control a, a specific narrative. And I think that's opened the door for all kinds of progressive ideas. Um, what, what's very interesting about Africa, though, is that um, during colonialism, Africa was, uh, you know, exposed to various kinds of um, religious outlooks, including Christianity. And so if you ask the average, for example, average Zambian, they'll actually tell you that they're a Christian. Um, but this is a Christianity that's very syncretistic. Mm -hmm. um, it's uh, you know, they, they take a bit of animism. They they'll have their postmodernism. They'll take their and they they think it can all work together. Hmm. Um, and I think as time has gone by, we've actually seen how the progressive movements, progressive ideology, has really begun to to grow um, on the African continent. Um, and I suppose one of the the big applications is with regard to abortion was in 1972 when abortion was essentially legalized in Zambia. Now, this is interesting. This is 1972. Um, America, which is perhaps still the most influential country in the world, um, had Roe v. Wade happen in 1973. Mm -hmm. Zambia had months earlier, not quite a year, but still in 1972, um, had legalized abortion even before uh you know america had legalized it at a um, at a federal level wow. um and so abortion has been legal in this country for for 51 years um planned parenthood has been in zambia for 51 years 
and uh, it's 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 been catastrophic. Mm. And I mean, there, there, there's much we could say there, and I'm sure we can get into some of that today. But my estimations of how many abortions take place in Zambia is close to a million. And I think that's a conservative estimate. And Zambia has a population of 20 million people. And so if you think about it, Zambia murders 5% of its population every single year. <laughs> I guess the definition of a wow. genocide. Um, and uh, this is this is the reality. Um, and you can see that this is um, this is a very big problem um, in Zambia and other parts of, uh, of Africa as well. Um, and I mean, while we can we can say that, you know, uh, Western progressivism is uh, is responsible for some of it, um, I think that these kinds of problems tend to be rife wherever people do not fear God. Mm. And um, I mean, one example I can give you to to sort of um, back that idea is, you know, South Africa, where I believe one of the first countries, maybe right behind Canada, to legalize homosexual marriage. <laughs> and uh, this was an African government um, who who allowed this to happen. So... Um, in many ways, I think progressive ideology um, festers where postmodernism has really laid its roots. And mm -hmm. in Africa, I suppose we we now have a pretty long legacy of um, of, of postmodernism wreaking havoc in mm. uh, on this continent. Mm, thank you. That's that's really helpful. And I think a lot of our listeners, well, we we've got listeners around the world, but perhaps most of them in the UK. And I think certainly. For me, I wouldn't have appreciated just how how um, successfully, if you like, uh, postmodernism and 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 progressivism really is is taking root uh, and has been for a long time in in Africa. Mm -hmm. I think we think of uh, perhaps sub-Saharan Africa being much more conservative, and perhaps it is. But it, it's quite interesting because you you kind of came straight in at the sort of post-colonial thing. Of course, it was in some. Uh, African countries, Christianity had only been there for a matter of decades before that, not centuries. Correct. Correct. So, although many would identify as Christian, um, it didn't have very long, perhaps, to to, to take right. root. And 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 so, you know, it's an incredible uh, mm. century of change, isn't it, for 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 Africa to go Truly. from sort of well, just over a century, isn't it, for many many countries to go from sort of pre-Christian to Christian to mm. a sort of post-Christian mix right. so rapidly. Right. Absolutely. And, and in, in fact, just, just to touch on this very briefly as well, what post-colonial theory did as well is that it made many Africans suspicious of Christianity. Right. Uh, because many of them perceived Christianity to have been the tool that colonialists used to uh to take over africa right and so um you know a lot of them are very suspicious of christianity and that's and that's becoming a growing trend where you see more africans who um who are actually abandoning christianity altogether because of right. that um, right. very suspicious of christianity um but of course you know the colonialists weren't didn't come here necessarily to propagate a true christianity mm -hmm. it wasn't necessarily a true gospel that was being preached um, and because of that, um, Christianity really hasn't influenced the worldview of, of many Africans. Um, so yeah, you're right. right as you say that. Right. 
And it's interesting to hear you mention communism again. Uh, from my perspective, when when I hear the word communism, my thoughts don't go straight to sub-Saharan Africa. My thoughts go to right. you know Eastern Europe and Russia and right. and, and, and China and so on. So, so again, I think hearing how um, communism has been sort of um, it was sort of latched onto by so many yes. uh, as as the yes. answer to, to colonialism. But interestingly, I, I don't know if you've seen this, but when you study abortion statistics globally um the the states in which the abortion rate is highest um mm. i think pretty much the top 10 globally where yes. the rate is highest are communist or ex-communist countries absolutely um, because the value of of human life in that kind of thinking is mm. just pretty abominable isn't it i mean it is it, people can be sacrificed quite literally to the interests of of the state it's this brutal mm. utilitarian sort of thing um, and then again, very interesting what you said about how that also leaves a space for an authoritarian sort of quasi dictator who, who you exactly. know, decides what's true and what's false and what's good and what's exactly. So it's in a way, it's quite a um, perfect storm uh, mm. politically and ideologically exactly. for for what we're seeing. Those numbers were were quite um, astonishing. You said you, you think there might be as many as one million per year. Yes, yeah. per year. Um, you know, and just to explain this a little in, in greater detail, you know, Marie Stokes, uh, an abortion service provider, uh, probably the largest abortion service provider in this part of the world, specifically Zambia. Um, you know, in, in, in recent years, they've actually been very open about publishing their data and how many abortions they um they do i mean in the last couple of years i don't think they've published it because guys like me are going to give them a very hard time <laughs> um but i mean when they were publishing their data we're talking about them admitting to doing 350,000 uh abortions every single year um and this is just one organization i'd already told you how planned parenthood has been here for 51 years um, although they don't publish their data publicly, I, I can only imagine mm. um, what those numbers look like. And then public hospitals um, would probably get even more traffic for abortions than some of these private abortion clinics. Right. Um, and that's why um, my estimate is got to be at least a, a, a million, a million lives taken every single year. Well, um, the population and of Zambia, you said, was what, 40 million? Uh, 20 million. 20 million. 20 million. 20, wow. Yes. These are big. Yes. Yeah big numbers yes and so they're not because uh, here in the uk we have abortion stats published by the government they're centralized but in zambia right. it's more sort of privatized is it it's it, yes you know in in a sense um it's what i'd call a silent genocide in the sense that you know i mean i've had interviews um and conversations with people who work in abortion clinics in this country who don't always like to let the public know what's really going on. Mm -hmm. um, in this part of the world, um, abortion um, is, you know, they're, they're sort of, there are many euphemisms for it. They'll like to say all kinds of things under the name of sexual reproductive rights. Yes. Um, abortion is pushed in the realm of African development. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, that's the veneer um, that sort of cloaks what this really is and what's really going on. And I think that there's also a fear that a lot of these abortion clinics have um, in being found out for what, you know, for what they're really doing. Mm. I think they fear the general populace waking up and realizing that 
you know, this is this is a big problem. Um, and they'd rather stay hidden. And so mm -hmm. you don't really see advertisements for abortions very publicly. You don't really see it on billboards. Yeah. Uh, what you'll see is terminology like sexual reproductive rights and women's health. Yeah. Um, but, you know, beneath that veneer is where you really start to see what's what's going on. Yeah, and that and that's absolutely typical, isn't it, of genocides and and great yes. injustices. They thrive on being hidden um, and and thinking. Just, I mean, you'll know these these things much better than I. But um, just thinking through some historical examples, you think of um, King Leopold's sort of private colony in mm. in, in the Congo and the the atrocities mm. um, committed there on on local people being forced to collect. Um, it was rubber, wasn't it? And Mm. Uh, uh, and and if they didn't collect enough, that hands would be chopped off. And and right. um, he worked so hard to keep this that that harsh reality out of the public eye. But when it got exposed by some missionaries, ultimately, I mean, they they ummed and ahed about it for a long time. But eventually, with the arrival mm. of the Kodak camera around the turn of the century, I think it was, they um, they exposed visually what was going on, and that right. that was the beginning of the end. And 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 mm. you know these guys are not stupid they know that it's much easier to push abortion when people don't really know what abortion is um exactly exactly when it's seen and you know absolutely process. and in, another interesting thing here that i think i should mention as well dave is the fact that it you know in in it's very plainly stated that uh abort sorry high fertility rates are considered to be a reason african poverty persists yeah i know and yeah. so an average low income family is told well you know well there's this alternative which is abortion um that is going to help your family alleviate poverty mm. um mm. that that's how it's sold in this part of the world and so you actually see that of the primary market for abortion um, in Zambia is your low income community. Um, and that's where the campaigns take place. Um, and which is why many who are affluent in society in Zambia may not even be aware that abortion is taking place. Right. Uh, but those in low income communities are, are well aware of what's going on. Uh, they're, they are being fed this propaganda, uh, in, in, in a variety of ways. Mm. Um, and basically what they're being offered is, you know, uh, 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 an opportunity to take a life for a chance to alleviate poverty. You know, that's mm. that's really what's being sold to them. So not to put too fine a point on it, what we're talking about here is 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 Western abortion providers, Planned Parenthood, Mary Stokes International. Right. They've set up in Africa, uh, yes. African countries, including Zambia, been there for decades. And they you're saying they actually target they, they go after you know, lower income communities and offer mm. abortion as a solution to what they perceive as uh, an overpopulation problem. That poverty, po poverty is, is exacerbated by, I mean, am I, am I overstating it? Is that what's going on? No, not at all. That's exactly what it is. Um, that's, that's how it's sold. Um, of course, it's, it's also gaining um, a lot more traction in middle income communities as well. Um, the feminist movement is growing here. Right. And um, they, they they like to be very loud about the fact that abortion is legal in this country and they would encourage women to have abortions. Um, but for the most part, the overwhelming part, um, it's low-income communities that are being targeted very intentionally. 
Um, and uh, of course, this is consistent with the history of Planned Parenthood, uh, with the history of Marie Stopes, who, I mean, uh, Planned Parenthood's founder, Margaret Sanger, was a eugenicist. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's it's pretty consistent that even low-income communities here who would be considered the so-called degenerates of society, uh, that they would be the targets of um, of of their mission. Um, and so you wouldn't be overstating it at all by by putting it that way. That that is exactly what's going on. Right, they're on track. This is what they've been doing from the beginning. They're on track. That's absolutely it. Exactly. Um, and it's worth mentioning for for, for UK listeners. Um, Mary Stopes International enjoys uh, quite a fair whack of our, our taxes. Um, they uh, mm. they are paid um, by the British taxpayer to do abortions in this country, uh, but but it is Mary Stopes International. Um, so the, their work overseas in different countries um, is supported by the British taxpayer, um, mm. sometimes two or three times over because you've got uh, the taxes that pay for abortion services full stop. You then got gift aid uh, in our country mm. that the government will add sort of give tax back essentially to those organizations deemed to be charitable, which Mary Stopes International is deemed mm. to be. Uh, we can't be a charity, but uh, the, those right. killing babies can be. So yeah. so we've got um, we've got being paid for the abortions and then you're getting uh, gift aid on top of that. And then, of course, as you mentioned, you've got these huge international so-called aid um projects uh bringing so-called reproductive health and so exactly. on um now just just briefly uh before i forget you, you mentioned abortion has been legal in zambia since 72 1972 that's right and tell us when was independence for zambia so independence in zambia was 1964 right okay. uh, so um this this okay. gets legalized um eight years after zambia got their independence right so pretty quick um but but I if I recall correctly, Zambia is something of an anomaly in that actually a lot of sub-Saharan African countries don't have legal provision of abortion. Uh, yes. But it's still it's yes. still happening, isn't it? But can you tell us a little bit yes. about yeah? How, are you an outlier in that regard? Um, certainly. Um, it's it's interesting. I think many progressive organizations love Zambia because it actually has some of the most progressive laws on abortion in sub-Saharan Africa. Right. Um, it's, uh, there's, I think it's the termination of pregnancy, um, cap 304. That's, that's what it's known as. So if, okay. if any listeners want to look that up and see what it says, um, it's, it's, it, it leaves very, a lot of room for abortions to take place. I mean, it gets as restrictive as perhaps, you know, you need two medical doctors to sign off mm -hmm. for an abortion to take place. Um, but that's not going to be too big of an issue here mm. um, in you know in terms of finding a couple doctors but um, it's very progressive um, mm. South Africa is also a very progressive society mm -hmm. um, um, and yet when I compare the laws in many ways I still think Zambia is um, is actually more progressive in that in that regard mm. um, many other sub-saharan sub-saharan African countries um, are a little bit more restricted um, on that front uh, but that's not to say they're militantly against it either. <laughs> mm. um, I suppose it just happens and it's sort of a norm that they don't even really think they need a law for necessarily. Um, but uh, it's I find it interesting that Zambia, which, Dave, interesting enough, Zambia is one of those countries in the world that doesn't mind calling itself Christian. Many the average Zambian will say we're a Christian nation. Um, and despite that fact, we have laws that are 
uh, very progressive. Hmm. Hmm. And once again, just trying to get our heads around these figures, one million per year. Um, I mean, we we hear about um, from time to time. We hear about uh, wars. We hear about famines. We hear about um, AIDS. We hear about malaria. We hear about other um, other causes of death. Mm. Um, yes, around the world, but yes. in, in Africa, but they they don't come anything close, of course, to one course. million a year. I mean, that's yeah. just incredible. Um, so let's let's shift um, focus if we can to uh, to the church now. So tell mm-hmm. us about the Zambian church, and do you think the Zambian church kind of gets what's going on? Does it does it see? Does it understand? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. Is the Zambian Church responding uh, to this this genocide, this crisis? Mm. That's a great question. So, you know, although Zambia does consider itself a Christian nation by and large, um, about twenty four percent of those who would consider themselves Christian are evangelical. Right. Um, and for the most part, even for you know those non evangelical denominations. Um, a lot of them, I think, are actually unaware of the fact that abortion is taking place in this country. Um, you know, we had once did a sort of like a, a public dialogue with with people um, um, to ask them if they were aware that abortion is is legal in Zambia. And the overwhelming majority said they had no clue whatsoever. Wow. Um, and a lot of what we're trying to do, me and my friends, through... Um, uh, a, a movement known as Save the Unborn is to just raise awareness that this mm. is actually a problem. And um, a lot of what we do involves actually talking to to churches, um, talking to church leaders and letting them know this is what's going on. Mm. Um, I've also had many opportunities to go on college campuses um, to just give presentations and let people know this is, this is a crisis. Mm. Um, and I think the other side of it, though, Dave, and this is interesting, is that those who actually do hear that abortion is taking place in this country often assume that it takes place for good reasons. Hmm. Um, and, for example, the one reason that you most commonly hear is, you know, the uh, the age old uh, argument of, you know, what, what if you need to save the mother's life? What if you need to choose between the, the life of a child and the life of a mother? And so many, I think, are willing to accommodate abortion to the degree to which, uh, you know, it's preserving a woman's life, um, even though they don't really understand what that really involves or have mm. even considered whether that is even necessary um, at all. Uh, that's that. That's what we've discovered. Yeah. Um, and so I think there's a lot of work to be done in just uh, teaching good solid christian biblical ethics when it comes to uh to the value of life mm. and and what makes abortion uh so evil and and atrocious um and so in many ways i think that the church is i mean it's an understatement to say it's in its infancy in really responding to mm. to abortion um but i am optimistic that i think with time there are churches who will certainly begin to um be militant against it and uh will will begin to provide um alternative solutions for women who would otherwise have an abortion um and will even begin to appeal to for, for laws to be changed in this country 
um, in order to save lives. So um, mm. we have our work cut out for us. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we have we have a lot. Of, yeah, there's there's a long way to go in that regard. Yeah, it, it reminds me of of some churches here in the UK. Maybe not the majority, but there are some who um, who would care and would act if only they realised, you know, the extent to which uh, this is going on. And as you say, it's not just right. the, it's not just the so-called hard cases, the extreme cases, but actually, certainly it sounds it's a bit harder for you guys to get get clear mm. stats over there. But here. The data's gathered fairly well. It's not it's not sort of broadcast, you know, and, and put in mm. the papers, but you can find it. And and we know that about ninety eight point five percent of abortions in this country um, are um, what you might call elective. They're retroactive contraception. Mm. There's no medical issue whatsoever. This is two mm. consenting adults having sex, yeah. conceiving, mm. and then the, the child is unwanted for whatever reason. So. We, mm. we have those stats. And I think when people see that, and we're, we're beginning to highlight that more and more, it's like, look, look at the 98%. Look at the majority case. This is what's going on. This is not about a difficult medical intervention. This right. is being used as a form of retroactive contraception. But as you say, the abortion industry has done, done a great job of keeping this out of the eye of the public mm. where that suits their purposes, but also uh, being present and visible enough in the neighborhoods where they're trying mm. to get the business and they've they've towed that line very successfully um and so of right. course we need to right expose that um I, I i'd like to move on to um legislation as you mentioned about you know the church becoming more militant and and looking for legislative change what what do you say to those who who kind of recoil from that and they say well hang on you know it's not the church's place to impose its morality on others <laughs> you know we're we, we, you can't legislate morality um mm. you know we're just kind of called to preach the gospel how, how do you respond to those sorts of objections yeah that's 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 such an important question dave and my response to this is usually well you know you can never run away from legislating morality the question is never <laughs> if morality is being legislated it, the question is what type of or what kind of morality is being legislated mm. um you either have legislation that honors christ or dishonors him yep. uh, they are no gray or neutral areas uh when it comes to uh to morality in a sense even the idea of legality or legislation is very much moral terminology mm. um and you know, when, for example, if, if in most societies around the world, I'd like to say all societies around the world, generally murder is looked down on. Generally, theft is looked down on. Hmm. Uh, generally, adultery is looked down on. Um, and it's interesting because whose morality are they borrowing from in order to arrive at? Uh, you know, at these moral conclusions. And it's it's God's law. This mm. is Christian morality that they have to borrow from in order to consider murder for what it is, to consider theft for what it is, to consider adultery for what it is, and, and various other vices. Um, and so, again, the question is not, um, is morality supposed to be legislated? It already is, mm. right? The only question is, whose morality is it? Um, is it Christ's? Or is it God's enemies who um, are, you know, putting forth their own standards of morality? Of course, that's not any kind of morality at all. Uh, so that that would really be my response to them. Um, and in which case, I think we should want to have laws that 
truly reflect God's law. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, God's law is, I think, exactly what we need in yeah. order to, one, just, uh, you know, res- it's one, it's, it's, it's used for restraining our potential to sin <laughs> as much as we could. Uh, God's law is also a wonderful means for us to recognize our own sin. And in recognizing our own sin, also recognizing our need for the Savior who is who is Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, and so I actually think that the law is something that could be used even for gospel advance in yeah. any society. And I think that's how we need to we need to see it as a church. Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes Christians struggle to really believe that God's law is actually good. You know, it's almost yes. as if we fall into this this falsehood yes. that it's just preferences. You know, you know, some people think this way, some that way, and you know, who are we to mm. impose? As if they're sort of morally neutral. There's no there's no significance to them. But we're talking about exactly. life and death. We're talking about what That's what right. exalts That's a nation right. and what and what absolutely debases a nation. And I think mm. a big problem, at least here in the UK, I think with many Christians is we we've fallen for the lie that God's mm. law actually isn't good. And therefore, it would not right. be loving. It would not be for the good of the nation to try and promote right. it. Um, so, I, yeah, that's... Yeah, in fact, Dave, just just a quick one on that. It's interesting because I actually would love to say that God's law is actually the standard for love. Mm. Uh, when Christ taught about love, when he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, that was him summarizing the law. Yeah. <laughs> and so the law is, in fact, loving. In fact, you can't you can't love without the law. That's yeah. That's important to understand. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It sort of defines what love is, doesn't it? Mm. Um, that's really good. We, we've only got a few minutes left here. I, I'd love to return another day. There's a lot more I'd, I'd like to talk about in particular, you know, how we reach um, how we reach an increasingly secular society um, right. uh, mm. on, on an issue like the sanctity of life. How do we do that? Perhaps we'll have to leave that for another day. But before we finish, mm. I'd love just to get your thoughts. I, I don't know how much you guys have heard about this from the States, a little bit here in the UK. Black Lives Matter. What mm. What are your thoughts on, on what's going on there? Yes. Um, well, you know, it's interesting. I think many Africans are sympathetic to Black Lives Matter because, mm-hmm. again, of, you know, it's, it's postmodern roots. Mm-hmm. Um, I can think of, you know, a couple years ago, um, it's now three years ago, since, you know, the death of George Floyd. And, you know, uh, many people in solidarity with Black Lives Matter posted black squares on their social media. And I can't tell you how many Africans participated in that. Right. And so many people are very uh, uh, sympathetic towards mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter. A lot of people still don't see through it. In fact, what you'll what, what's interesting is many Africans will actually believe that police brutality in the Western world, specifically the United States, is actually worse than it is in our societies, which hmm. is... <laughs> A joke to say right. the least, yes. okay. um, and uh, and so it's it's very unfortunate in that regard. Um, but again, like we've been so influenced by Marxism in this part mm. of the world, um, and BLM, Black Lives Matter, is a Marxist movement, mm. um, and uh, I think uh, I think it's done. It's caused a lot of destruction, mm. um, and I, I I wish more Africans would be awake to the lies. Mm. that um black lives matter posits and that marxism posits mm. and um it, i also hope that many people in the west 
would actually study African countries to see what happens when Marxism is fully realized. Right. And they'll see that it just destroys everything in its wake. Mm. Um, so, mm. yeah, it's it's a problem for sure. Yeah, that's helpful. I, th I think um, just shows the power of the international media to push mm. stories and yes. ideologies like that. And, and, yes. and yeah, the power of the ideology itself. Um, just a few seconds left, um, Lennox, just give us um, any any top sort of prayer points. How can our listeners pray mm -hmm. for you guys in Zambia uh, in what you're mm -hmm. trying to do? Yes, I think just one, just pray that the church would uh, would really be salt and light um, in, in the society, um, that we would be committed to spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, addressing the idols of the culture, mm -hmm. and that we would live in a manner that is also fruitful as the church. Um, and just pray that Zambia as a whole, that Sub-Saharan Africa as a whole would understand what it means for Christ to be king and that through the gospel, they would submit to the fact that he truly is king in all things. Amen. Fantastic. Lennox, thank you so much for your time. God bless you, you your family, your team thank there you so and much. your nation. We're praying for you.